Hi, and welcome to Population Health Plugin, a show highlighting current public health topics in our community and things of interest to students across the university. My name is Elena Kidd, and I'm a program manager in the Office of Public Health Practice at the UAB School of Public Health. Today, we are joined by Dr. Isabel Skarinski. Dr. Skarinski is a behavioral scientist with a deep commitment to the elimination of cancer disparities in the U.S. and in low- and middle-income countries. She is a professor in the Division of Preventative Medicine at UAB and Associate Director for Globalization and Cancer Disparities at the Comprehensive Cancer Center. She is also an alumna of the School of Public Health. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and for this month, we would like to highlight the work of Sowing the Seeds of Health, a unique community-based education program at the UAB Cancer Center led by Dr. Skrinsky. So thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. You're welcome. So not counting some types of skin cancer, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in the United States. Over the last 20 years, we've seen a gradual decline in the annual rates of new cases and deaths due to breast cancer. This has largely been contributed to organized screening and early detection programs. However, breast cancer mortality is actually higher among Latina population compared to whites. Can you discuss some of the health disparities Latinas face in regards to breast cancer education, screening, and access to care? So Latinos is a very broad group in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It depends on many factors. It's like whites or African-Americans, it's very broad. So some groups experience higher disparities even within Latinas than other groups. And here in Alabama, we work primarily with Latina immigrants. So I can talk more about the barriers they face here because it's where we have a lot of data and it's mm -hmm. also very comparable to other low resource uh, settings. So breast cancer is, we work in breast and cervical. Breast, mm -hmm. Cervical cancer is, can be prevented. Mm -hmm. That means can be detected before it develops, but breast cancer, it's early detection. Mm -hmm. And uh, the barriers, a lot of the barriers to screening in Alabama is language, is a major issue because uh, Alabama had the fastest growing Latino population in the country in, in between 2000 and 2015 or so. So we had a major influx of immigrants to the state that we're not prepared to receive that population. It's not a traditional mm -hmm. uh, state where we had language accommodation, we didn't have interpreters, we didn't have, the, the, the healthcare providers did not know about the cultural differences. So there was a lot of needs there. And so I think in general, the barriers are in the major categories of structural barriers like access, they don't know where to go, mm -hmm. uh, language, because mm -hmm. they do not speak English. Mm -hmm. and, and then we get more to the intrapersonal barriers is that fear of finding cancer and not being able to deal with it because of all the competing demands. And then healthcare insurance, what type of healthcare insurance do they have for this type of care to even do screening detection? 
so the Latino population in Alabama uh, do not have health insurance. The adults, the mm -hmm. kids, of, then because a lot of the kids are U.S. born, we have a higher uh, health insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. Our data shows that the majority um, do not of women mm -hmm. uh, do not have health insurance. About, I think, eight percent have health insurance. Oh, well, it's a small so number. It's a very small number. So the good news is, as you mentioned earlier, is that we do have the Alabama Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program. That is a program funded by. CDC that provides breast and cervical cancer screening to eligible women, uninsured, low income, and that has been an amazing program and we have one of the best in the country in terms of uh, being very creative and supportive of low-income women in general, not only Latinas. Uh, so in rural counties, in Alabama also is very progressive on that in terms of breast cancer prevention and early detection is that we do have a law that if a woman is found to have breast cancer through the early detection program, they will be signed up for Medicaid and get their care. And we have great uh, breast health centers across Alabama, inclu including UAB. Now, Latina, Latina immigrants is a little bit more of a challenge. So although the early detection will cover screening up to diagnosis, if they are undocumented, that is a percentage of mm -hmm. our Latinas in Alabama, then they're not eligible for Medicaid. Consequently, they're not eligible for care. So a lot of it, that kind of care, we rely on the different health care systems, depending on which county we are in, to provide care to these women. And then in, in 2005, you received an education grant from the National Cancer Institute to help address some of the barriers mm -hmm. to care, and bar mm -hmm. I guess barriers also to for early detection and screening. What is Sowing the Seeds of Health, and what is its foundation and goals? So Sowing the Seeds of Health, or in Spanish, Sembrando las Semillas de la Salud, is a volunteer program. So what we notice if based on the barriers that I just told you, language, they don't know where to go, uh, fear, and the intra, more the intrapersonal barriers. We thought, well, we start thinking, what is sustainable? So if we mobilize volunteers in the community, the what we call the natural leaders uh, in the community to get these women to an evidence base program that we need to develop, and it's end up being of something very simple. Sometimes the answers are right in front of mm -hmm. you, you just don't know. So that is that was the grant from the National Cancer Institute for us to develop the program. So we trained these natural helpers that I can tell you a little mm -hmm. bit more about them. And then we, we go to a, a trusted setting, usually a church, 
where they're not afraid of immigration or anything. Mm -hmm. And then we have a healthcare provider, usually a physician or a nurse, that gives them an education uh, about the importance of breast and cervical cancer screening and now the HPV vaccination for their children. And then we coordinate with local clinics to get their appointments. So they go ahead and they leave the event, this luncheon that we do in a church with their pap appointment and if they are eligible and their mammogram appointment. So that way they are, of course we cannot do the paps and the mammograms at the church. Right. So, and then they, this, those clinics that are our partners block the days for us and then we pro help with the interpretation, help with the women, you know, to navigate the system. And then if we find a cancer, that's when we also step in and help them navigate through the system. And you just mentioned or touched on um, these natural leaders, but Sowing mm -hmm. the Seeds of Health utilizes community health advisors, or CHAs, mm -hmm. for the health promotion among the Latina population. What are community health advisors, and how are they different from lay health educators? <laughs> how are they selected? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question, and uh, uh, something that I have built my career on <laughs> uh, to in low resource settings. So, community health advisors usually are volunteers, are people who care about the community, mm -hmm. but they want to help, but you cannot give them too much to do. So right? they're not full time employed. They are not employed at all. They do not get paid. So, and this we learned from our failures. So I started with that model working in, you know, Latin America and low resource settings. Then we said, okay, they do such a great job of getting the, the women there, in this case for breast and cervical cancer screening. Can we train them to also deliver the education? Well, that's where we crossed the line because then they said, okay, now you're asking us way too much. So usually those natural helpers are, I go to those communities and I talk to the pastor or the priest, or I say, who do people talk to when they have an, a problem? They say Mary or John. Mm -hmm. Mary may not be the most vocal person in that community, maybe the quiet lady mm -hmm. in church, She's a leader, and our people trust her. So I recruit those kind of leaders to, to the program. And then we have other programs where it's more intense. Like we, have, we just finished a study to promote HPV vaccination among daughters of Latina immigrants. Then we hire, I hire from the same pool, mm -hmm. really, because they have the basic skills that they can reach the hard to reach or the unreach. We just need to build the, the skills. And then we hire them as UAB employee. In fact, we created at UAB a few years ago the what we call the peer health educator position. And it's a full-time position, can be part-time, but with benefits 
because this, these individuals have as much to contribute to a program as you and I. Mm -hmm. They have a different set of skills okay. than, than with appropriate training, but that's when it's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. So for this program, we do not use the lay health educators because we found that the most important piece was to get the women there. The connectors, kind the of. Connect, they are the connectors. They get the women there. They trust them, and then we have a healthcare professional to give the talk that's very accurate, and then connect them to 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 appointments. Mm -hmm. And when we started, you know, that's why you need to study things. They kept saying, "Well, my bear can't go because I don't have transportation. I don't have childcare." Uh, so when we started, we provided childcare, we provided transportation, we, we partnered with a cab company at the time to go pick them up, and the show-up rates was like 40%. And I was like, what else can we do? What else can we do? We're doing everything. And some of the volunteers, the community health said, Dr. Scrincy, you're doing too much. We shouldn't give them anything because they're not valuing. And I was like, hmm. So we learn. Uh, we do not provide child care. We do not provide transportation. And our adherence is 85 to 90% show up wow. to their appointments. But it's because we tell them if you miss, of course, if we need to reschedule, uh, we're flexible, but they have that window of opportunity. The other piece that I think is very critical that we learn, uh, so we know the strongest predictor of screening is having a regular source of care. Mm -hmm. And then we learn that a lot of these women do not have a regular source of care. So what we do by partnering with ARMS in Birmingham, Princeton, who do the, they do the mammograms for us, and I can tell you about the other counties in a minute, is that then that place become their regular source of care. So they don't need our program anymore. So a few years ago, we look at the uh, uh, equivalent, I think was eight year data, because I said, if we are reaching every woman this, every year with those events, we fail because then our events become the regular source of care. Mm -hmm. So uh, we look at the data because we collect data and we have their names, we cross-check, and only 19% are repeats. That's great. What I think that is amazing because then our goal, even in the event, is to say, look, once you become an arms patient, that is your regular source of care, and that's where you go for your health problems, and they're very appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just breast cancer awareness, cervical cancer. It's all these other different health conditions that they're getting addressed with prevention versus... I hope. You know, I don't have the data <laughs> to see if they are really going. We look at, you know, just qualitative, a small subset. Are those the women who are going because we had their consent? Mm -hmm. We kind of got a random sample, you know, of women who came at the time seven years prior to see, if, and they were going. So we have screened over 4,000 Latinas with this program with a very low cost. I mean, it's all volunteers. Even mm -hmm. the healthcare providers are volunteers who, and the clinics that I am so thankful 
that uh, that partner with us. And is that mainly in Jefferson County, or do you have so, partners across the state of Alabama? So we started in Jefferson and Shelby. And here, uh, at, at, we, we started as a partnership with St. Vincent's at the time, St. Vincent's Hospital, who have been wonderful. But now we most, for the past few years, ARMS, uh, Alabama Regional Medical Services, I guess is their new name. They are wonderful and to they're right work downtown with. is that well they, yeah now they move and they were here close to us in uh and so they do the pet and then we sign all them up for the early detection program so if we find an abnormality we can at least move them if they are undocumented through diagnosis and then i need to figure out what to do and we we have i have great staff so so now arms does all the peps in Princeton, uh, does all the mammograms. And then we are in Huntsville, uh, Madison County. We work with uh, the federally qualified clinic there, uh, Central, and Huntsville Hospital. Uh, we are in Marshall County with Marshall Medical in the health department, uh, Limestone County, also all North Alabama, and, uh, and then we just started last year in Fort Payne, whatever county that is, that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we, we, our plans is we need to expand. You know, resources is always a, it, always yeah, a, challenge. a challenge to counties, you know, where there are large percentage of Latinos. Yeah, and that, I guess, out of, out of everything that you've done, what has been kind of the most important, the most significant impact of sowing the seeds of health in Alabama? To me, as an immigrant, this is very close to my heart. Uh, I came to the U.S. I didn't speak English, uh, and I know firsthand what's like when you go to the doctor and and I was educated, I came here to go to school, and you cannot understand what's going on. And uh, and when you don't speak English, people, or an effort to help is they they speak louder. They think if they increase their, they you're gonna louder, they're going to understand better. So, so to me, I think the impact is to provide a venue that they can get in their breast cancer or cervical is really my passion, cervical cancer, because cervical cancer we can't prevent. And so, and because they're here seeking for better opportunities for themselves, what a great teachable moment Mm -hmm. to promote that message. And they're younger, so that's why I say that is a challenge when they are not eligible for Medicaid, but we didn't find that many breast cancers more cervical, more dysplasia, really. In UAB, we have a wonderful, you know, GYN oncology that they they, they really come forward and and, and help us. Uh, I think that is is what I said earlier. Breast and cervical could be diabetes, hypertension. It's just connecting them to a healthcare system that at the time we even did a DVD that we trained over 500 healthcare professionals even to work with Latinos, the differences in culture. I mean, we need to start from scratch. We didn't have certified interpreters in Alabama. I think that is 
you know, of can we do more? Yes, we can always do more. But I, I have been very blessed with great volunteers and that can, you know, help us. So I think the impact is more this connection to the healthcare system, because then if the woman is connected, then her children is connected, the spouse is connected. You know, they say, you know, um, what's the, the say goes, you, you teach a man, now you, you, you show a man how to fish, you eat for a day, if you teach the man how to fish, you use them for the rest of his life. Life. Yeah. If you teach a woman how to fish, you feed the entire community. <laughs> so uh, I think that is has been very rewarding. Well, that's great. And you said for next steps for sowing the seeds of health expansion, going to more places with the Latina population. Anything else that you're kind of looking forward to for the future? Yes. I mean, I think we need to train more people. Some of the volunteers have been with me for 15 years from my, oh. when I start. So, and every year they are there, they are ready to go, and, uh, and their enthusiasm and their dedication. So we need to train more people. And I think we need, I, you know, of course, I want to expand to other, you know, health issues. Every time you need to think about expansion, you need to think about, can I take care of it to the end? Because a mammogram is cheap. It's $100. But once a that woman is diagnosed, that woman is my responsibility. And I would not sleep at night if I go to the community and say, I'm just here to do screening. If you not find that, cancer, you're on, your you're on your own. We can't do that. So every time we expand to a county, the first thing I do is to get the support from the local healthcare system. And then I can train the volunteers because then they have a support there for them. If they, Because we're doing breast and cervical, but once those volunteers are in the community, the women or men come to them from, for everything. We're very careful about expansion. Can we take care of the whole continuum? Like I'm not doing colorectal cancer. We don't have the infrastructure in Alabama in general, not only Latinas, for really screening people for colorectal cancer. So those are the things you need to be methodic about it and say, you know, maybe I, I take it too seriously, but I am responsible for those women. I need to go with them or me. Me is the collective we here. Mm -hmm. Is I have good people. We need to go with her through the whole path mm -hmm. and through resolution. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets a little... A little tricky, a little tricky, challenging. Now challenging. Again. But the other thing you, you see is that people are good. I mean, institutions may not have, form, can have formal commitment. No institution will say, we'll take care of all the undocumented immigrants. It's hard. But people... Mm -hmm. I never had people, well, once in a while, but maybe no to me is just the starting of the conversation. So usually, you know, we need to piecemeal, but we get the care. Mm -hmm. They need one way, you know, There's or always the other. Somebody willing There's to always somebody willing to, we just need to ask. Well, that's great. Well, I enjoyed so much listening well, about. Thank you. Learning about sowing the seeds of health, and thank you so much for being here. 
this podcast is certainly timely, so we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and our listeners and subscribers. So thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for another episode of Population Health Plugin. 